church to remind those who are seeking for the good that it is found in Christ. The study, the study, the study. So a, a common thing, just being out, uh, just being out talking to people, living, you know, life, vocation, mm-hmm. that I get from talking to people about churches and this and that, is the aspect of people say, I have to be in a, a spirit-filled church. Oh, yeah. Mm. And it's like they use that contrast to compare that against being a, a doctrinal-based church. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's teaching good, but I didn't really feel the spirit there. Oh, you know? yeah. Now, as a disclaimer, if you're one in Christ and you are in Christ, it's a spirit-filled church. The spirit's there, so that's not really a, a true issue. But for this concept of what people say is it has to be a spirit-filled church because when they say spirit-filled, y'all tell me what you guys think. Yeah, They usually are talking like the music isn't what I'm really into, isn't that? Or the, the worship team isn't really my style or what I'm used to, mm, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a whole bunch of things other than what's actually being taught and preached because you can have that great music. You can have that great setting. You can have somebody get up, do a backflip, centipede down the aisle, yeah. you know what I'm saying, all on beat with the choir, you know what I'm saying, because the Holy Spirit got rhythm and he's making him do that on beat. And <laughs> the pastor can be totally off. Like He literally can not even... Talk about Christianity in there, you know. He might even be a Christian. He literally could probably be just just some some guy who who prays to the sun. But that that vibe is there that you like, you love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Where, mm-hmm. what do you guys think about the aspect of being spirit filled, a, a spirit filled church, being more of a priority for why somebody is attending a place than a doctrinally sound church where they might not like the music. Music might be boring or whatever. Don't they it is. normally when they say spirit filled, what they kind of mean is it's a church that makes me feel energized. Yes. It's high energy. It peps me up. Yeah. And doctrine is so boring. Yeah. Except the thing is, doctrine is a part of what any church does. Teaching. It's what churches do. They teach. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, is the teaching making you alive or is it the entertainment that's making you alive? Is it the word that's enlivening you or is it the, the band and the public speaker? I remember hearing Bishop Ulmer. Mm. You remember Bishop Ulmer, yeah. don't you? And uh, I went to one of his New Year's Eve services. This was before I found out about confessional, evangelical, Lutheran Christianity. And he said, I am a motivational speaker. Well, even then I knew enough about the the preaching ministry to know that there is some difference between being a public speaker and being a preacher of the gospel. Exactly my That's point. Facts. Yeah, like- That's facts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's it's difficult, too, because I think historically that's been part of the American sort of fabric. There's just mm-hmm. been this wing of Pentecostalism that has been branded into mm-hmm. Christian ap- into the Christian appetite. And it's very rewarding. You do get that charge. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, the wild card, and I, you know, let me know how y'all feel about this. But the wild card to me is that God is so God. He's such a good father that he's in those spaces blessing them. He's still yeah. providing for them spouses, houses, cars, jobs, mm-hmm. promotions, healing. So there's 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 not really a signal that says something's off here. So if somebody comes to you with an alternative version of Christianity, nothing's really signaling to you that it's worth entertaining it because you feel content. Mm-hmm. You feel like what I'm getting is sufficient. Uh, I pray. I read my Bible. I show up to church. God is good. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. And then here you come talking about these fine points that seem to be more divisive in nature mm-hmm. when I'm already comfortable getting good things from God. Like, I don't need anything else. And I think that's the riff. Is yeah. God is not saying that it's God's fault because right. you know in God is no darkness, only good. So he's, it's just that we misinterpret His goodness to mean everything here that I'm experiencing is mm-hmm. aligned with His Word. So it makes it challenging to get inside of that person's world and to help them prioritize the Word of God yeah. over against you know maybe those sort of cultural things that you've grown to be accustomed to, to expect. Yeah. So that's the part that I always find the most challenging. It's like, man, I got to get you to value this book yeah. so that we can start there. Because I may not be able to win against the the experience. Like if the thing is give me an alternative experience that's better than the one I'm getting, I may, I probably won't be able to give you that. But if you do value the word of God, mm-hmm. then maybe I can show you something in the word that says, God isn't against your emotional experience. In, in fact, he made you a holistic being with a brain mm-hmm. and with mood and feelings. But he never intended for you to sort of empty your mind and just take in these high surges of energy yeah. as the way forward as a believer. That's never been his intention. If you are going to be excited and stirred up and motivated, may it be from the word of God. Yeah. May it be from things that are true as that you a, say yeah. amen to. As a matter of fact. You feel me? And yeah. get excited about it. Stir you up. like yeah. Even the Bible. Paul writes in Romans 12. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And he goes on to say some more. But these are the things, he's saying this to believers, that these are things that should be a part of your life. And it includes, don't be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Mm. The question is, uh, is being fervent in spirit merely defined by being highly energetic. Can I be fervent in spirit and be quiet? Can I be fervent in spirit with a song that's slow as opposed to fast? Can I be fervent in spirit in a service that seems to be highly structured? as opposed to one that seems to be uh, extemporaneous. And, you know, we, we're, we're just led by our moods. Mm-hmm. 
You know, how many churches do we know of where it has a bulletin or a program and it says all uh, activities are depend are subject to the move of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and yet, you know, well, that's a spirit-filled service. You know, it's led by the Spirit. Right. <laughs> but they always look the same. They have the same pattern. They have the same thing. They have the same... You know, they, they know when, which songs to play at what time. Um, the testimony pretty much looks, listen, sounds the same. Sermon has certain patterns. You know, he's got a certain, he does it every Sunday. Oh, yeah. And yet that is not structured. Really, the only difference between what they do and what I do with liturgy is just what the structure Looks like my struck. I was thinking. In fact, I was thinking about this last Sunday. Uh, I preached, and then I continued the service. And I don't know. It was, I, it was just one of those days I had where I didn't feel like it was one of my better sermons. I don't know if it was or not, but I just didn't feel it. And but I continued the service, and then the service ended, and I thought about the the prayers that we had prayed and rites, the things that had been said. And at the end, when I said, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you his peace. And they said, amen. And so I realized that I had been, that whole time I had been giving them God's word to comfort them, God's word, to confirm to them that they were his, that they are accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, I don't know how well the sermon was done, how well I executed it, but I know God spoke to them today. And that's why we come together yeah. Yeah. regularly. So that God will speak to us and we will respond to God. That's what that that enthusiast, uh, spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic person says they want. They want God to speak to them. God speaks to us in his word. God speaks to us through the liturgy. God speaks to us in the sacraments. He comes to us, and it's his word that he brings to us. Not any private interpretation, but something that is clearly his word. We sing. The songs we sing are taken directly from Scripture. Yeah. I mean, you cannot leave a liturgical service and, and say, God is not present here. Mm, so good. maybe, just maybe. Yeah. Try it. <laughs> right. You just might like it. Yeah. That's I, I know one thing, man. Yeah. I see an awful lot of these uh Pentecostal, charismatic, what have you, starting to wear what I wear yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. They starting to put on albs and stoles and yeah. you know, they starting to explore liturgy more that's facts and it is a historical fact that the christian church was liturgical 
a long time before it became contemporary. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Hmm. But I do find that that's a positive um, sort of thing that's been preserved. Like even when I was at my church, I was 16 years old in the Full Gospel Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And you would see the pastor. We we still use terms like bishop. We refer to our pastor as bishop. Mm-hmm. He would wear the vestments, mm-hmm. you know, on specific Sundays. And, um, and people wanted that. But then they also wanted stuff like uh, laying on of hands, anointing mm-hmm. oil. So there was this sense there that people were okay with some of those rites and rituals. But I think ultimately there was a healthy dose of they wanted nearness with God. And I think a lot of times that's what that appetite is. Mm -hmm. But we look for it in a place where God, I mean, God is certainly with us when we gather, but it's this this unique way in which he's promised to be in his word and his sacraments that's not promised in a, Mm-hmm. A, a, a concert or a Sunday morning high praise experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, the reflex is good in that you want this personal touch from God himself to say, I'm for you, I'm with you, I'm yours, I'm blessing you. But we get caught up in wanting it that way. You know <laughs> you what I'm know, saying? I, when you said that, I thought about this old song by Commission, mm. Ordinary Won't Do. Gotta have a touch from you. Yep. I can only find it in you, Jesus. <laughs> Facts. You know? Facts. Funny thing about that song, it sounded an awful lot like an R&B, smooth, groove, quiet storm kind of vibe. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I wanted Jesus to touch me <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> in the like same manner. quiet storm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's facts. I wanted Jesus to come to me, not simply in a way that appealed to my emotional side. And so, man, as much as I loved that song, if I put it up against the purity of God's word and say, okay, where can I know that I can find God? Can I find it in a gospel song? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sometimes, no. When I come to God's word, do I find God in his word? According to him, that's where he is. <laughs> Facts. 100% of the time. Never 100% goes out of the time. time he's at. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Preach. You know. Yeah. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. You know, some of this stuff that goes on, uh, goes on because... Folk are more excited about going to the entertaining worship service than they are going to Bible study. Mm. Uh oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, if when you go to Bible study and you start falling in love, not just falling in love with the idea of Jesus, but beginning to actually love God's Word, then maybe you can say, "Yeah, that's the best thing I've ever done," mm. because. Falling in love with Jesus, first of all, uh, he doesn't command us to do that or call <laughs> us to do that. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, people, for example, people ask, well, why is it there more women than men? Maybe that's part of it. It feels weird when I'm singing, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Sounds just lit. Mm-mm. Yeah. The posturing of that is, yeah, yeah. 
I, I get that. Mm-hmm. With Lex over here trying to hold us together. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't falling in love with Jesus, bro. Fam. <laughs> like, I feel what y'all saying. Is it, I, I feel what he's saying, though. Like, like they've... Yeah, man. That's why. Nah, right. I get like we sort of romanticize it. Like it's yeah. just, and, and women can make it more like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, yeah. wife. You know what I mean? But yeah, the, the masculine energy that the father blessed us with is off-putting to think of it in those sort of yeah. floaty romantic terms. And then you actually ask yourself, is God asking me to talk of it this way, to feel that yeah. way? And you know what I mean? Like it's this it's romance. Like, it's supposed to be like a father or Something like, you know what I'm saying? That type of sense for like, yeah. a guy perspective. Not, yeah. not um, a Jesus quiet storm, smooth boy, R&B yeah. song where, you know what I'm saying, you dim the lights like, yo, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Nah, that's facts, bro. Yeah. But no, nah, I, I think that's, uh, but I think we hitting the nail on the head in terms of when you don't have the word of God and the sacraments being preached, you're going to seek out an alternative version to that. Like, just by default, because as a child of God, you know, you're longing for that. Like, that's like this innate thing God put in you by spirit is to, you know, be one with him and to be one yeah. with your brothers and sisters. He said that was supposed to be, you know, that's the, that that's, was Jesus' prayer for us. <laughs> yes. That we would be one yes. in him. Yes. John 17. So yep. it's not like wanting to be one with God is is somehow not actually what God wants. God does want that, but it's not something that that is obtained by us going to God. Yeah. It's something that is obtained by God coming to us. Yeah. Can you speak on that term? Because I think, like, I try to intentionally use the term divine service because yeah, I like to distinguish it yes. from thinking, like, we going to give God we X, going to y, give God the praise. You know what I'm saying? But divine service flips that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love thinking about being served by God. Even though at first I remember experiencing that as uncomfortable because I felt like he's big, he's the king. <laughs> he don't need to serve me. I, yeah, I serve yeah. him. So it was a bit off-putting at first. Yeah. But then sort of just humbling myself underneath what was actually being said. It's like, no, you need this service from God because <laughs> yeah. he's the only one that can serve you with. Yeah. You know. You feel me? What Jesus. you need. The first time when that thought was expressed, when when Peter was being confronted with the image of his rabbi, his master, his, his Lord, Jesus, yeah. washing, his, washing feet. his feet. And he said, uh-uh, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> right. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Hmm. If you do not allow me to serve you, you have no part in me. So God comes to us in the divine service. It it opens with with the in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. God comes in, his train fills the temple, Isaiah said. Mm-hmm. He initiates it until he initiates his presence. You're just there. You're just a bunch of people sitting in a room until God is there. And God says he is 
where his word is. He's, I like to quote this a lot. God is watching over his word to perform it. Mm. And so where his word is, he's going to be there engaged and involved. So if that's the case, then when we're speaking his word, he's watching over his word to perform it. We are, in fact, I even say it towards the beginning of the service, uh, everyone in the congregation confesses that they are sinners. I respond as a called and ordained servant of Christ, and in his stead, I forgive you all of your sins. That's God speaking to you. Your sins are forgiven. God has, for Christ's sake, forgiven you all your sins, and I, as a called and ordained servant of Christ, therefore. And then we continue saying more of God's word and hearing more of God's word. You know, in a, in your typical Lutheran service, well, first of all, in your typical non-Lutheran service, your typical black church service, we, are, we were taught when I was a Kojic minister. You had the scripture reading of the day. It's supposed to be five verses, no more than. And don't you try to slip in your sermon commentary. <laughs> you just read those five verses right. and sit down. Yeah. And that's the only scripture you get until the sermon. And so you're hoping you get some scripture there. But just if I, now by contrast, the Lutheran service, you get an Old Testament reading an epistle reading, a gospel reading. Thanks. And then you sing another hymn. Well, we're told to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, yeah. making melody in your hearts of the Lord. We do that. Yeah. And all those songs coming from that Lutheran service book <laughs> hymnal are all about Christ for you. And then you hear a sermon. It'll probably be about 15 to 20 minutes as opposed to an hour or more. Big facts. Yeah. And in that 15 or so minutes, he's going to tell you how Christ is for you because that's his job to make sure that you know that Christ is for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then we move on into the service. We receive his body and blood after we've prayed the prayers of the church and prayed the Lord's prayer, which as an aside, again, on this whole notion of being spirit filled mm-hmm. versus being biblically correct. Yeah. Um, we say we want to pray so that God will hear us. Right. Yeah. And call out. To him. We just, dis- we despise or disparage the only prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Mm. we diminish the significance of the fact that when Jesus was asked a specific request, <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah. Lord, how do we pray? Teach us. And he responded with these specific words. And we treat those words as if they're not as good as whatever comes to our mind randomly or from our feelings randomly. Yeah. That's facts. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, we were told that the spontaneity of a thing makes it more mm-hmm. authentic or more genuine or more, more spiritual. spiritual. Yes, yeah, more holy if it came out of nowhere, yeah. out of osmosis. But we have Jesus' very words, pray, th- pray like this, yeah. <laughs> he says. 
something tells me that nobody is more spiritual than Jesus. <laughs> just a hunch, huh? Just a hunch. <laughs> just a hunch. Just a hunch. See, the, these are the sort of things, the sort of teaching you get yeah. in a Lutheran setting. Yeah. But I love this because, like, I'm everything I'm hearing, I'm just putting myself in the shoes I was once in. I know people are in. Like, what's being said here is really helping shrink back the appetite mm-hmm. that has been expanded in many people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like you keep giving people candy and you ex- you blow out that appetite yeah. for sweets that they can't enjoy fruit anymore. Because now fruit seems like light or diet it's candy. Not even, it's not, even sweet, it's no not even sweet no more. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. You get this expanded appetite for all the, and you can eat all of that. Mm. But eventually your body's going to break down because it's not enough nourishment, right. nutrients, and all that sugar, all that Substance. candy. Yeah, here we are with meat and veggies, and we mm. like, you know, take some of this and try some almonds. Almonds sweet too. You just you're you you can't sense it no more. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So hearing this, even in myself, I'm like, man, this is shrinking back the expectation of these exaggerated things that we bring to church and what we look for. Spirit filled to be these. We want God to. We want a rhema word, a right now word that's relevant <laughs> to today. It's 1045, or we want to see some miracle. Sister so-and-so came in on crutches. We want to see her walk out on new legs. And when you mm-hmm. constantly taking in that, then over time you start getting let down by it too. Because mm-hmm. right. God ain't moving on your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you start blaming him for not being something. Or you start blaming yourself for not mm-hmm. being as obedient as you need to. Maybe God punishing you from some secret sin. Right. And it's just downhill from there. Then all of a sudden, oftentimes, people tap out. And they leave the faith altogether because they feel like, well, I can't do it. Right. I ain't mm-hmm. spiritual enough to get the blood. I didn't get the – everybody else received the gift of tongues today, and God mm-hmm. passed me by. He skipped me over. Again. What's wrong with me? Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, chasing all that and not the word. So, no, nah, that's beautiful. The study, man. That's for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>